1: We are celebrating farm and homesteads statewide that have been in the same family for 100 or 150 years. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Another farm story comes from Dolores Fortuna of Russ County. Her farm is along the Barron and Russ County line just south of Highway 8. And Dolores, you're celebrating a centennial status. It has been in my
0: family over 100 years. My grandfather initially purchased the land the um, the homestead of 80 acres in, 17, in 1917. Well, actually, let me correct that. It was 1919.
1: Yeah, you said your grandfather purchased the farm.
0: He did. The family story on my paternal family side is that my grandfather was Polish-Russian. He came from that part of Poland that, after the Balkan Wars, was controlled by Russia. And there was a lot of Polish immigration at that time. He came to United States, to Chicago, and worked in the steel mills and on the railroads and married my grandmother Mary and then moved to Pennsylvania to become a miner. And then there was a mining accident in 1919 in the in the mines he was working in, and he was crippled and could no longer mine. And the funny thing is, I don't know why he thought he could become a farmer, but at that time there was a, a lot of... Um, You know how, in immigration, people stay within their family or their friend networks. And so the people that were in that mining area were also mainly Polish, and many of them were also injured in that mining accident. Many of them, there was a Catholic priest in this part of Wisconsin, Father Freyadich. And he worked with the Gates Land Company, which purchased, which sold the land for Cornell, Ezra Cornell, who uh, who had the, and the Weyerhaeuser Logging Company. And they actively recruited all these uh, miners from this one mining town, Island in Pennsylvania to resettle in the Weyerhaeuser and Strickland area. And so my grandfather was in that group. And the thing that's interesting is they all bought like 80-acre plots here, and resettled their families in uh, 19, uh, 1919, 1920, 1921, and became farmers. But their friendship circle often extended all the way back to Poland. So it was a very... So Warehouser and Strickland, uh, the two communities um, that I was... Uh, you know, my grade school and high school were in Warehouser, but... Um, You know, my church affiliation and everything was in Strickland. It was a very, very tight-knit community with many familial bonds that went back all the way to Poland.
1: That's an incredible story, the, the moving around and kind of those hardships that, you know, eventually led them into Russ County. What did they farm? It was a dairy
0: farm. Uh,
1: my grandfather, because
0: he was still recovering from his mining accident, was walking with crutches. And so he came here uh, to the property in an ox cart over logging roads. And um, he just looked at the immediate front field, which was relatively flat, and purchased the land and never walked Farther back into the 240s. And um, actually, the rest of it is very, very hilly. And, uh, you know, and we're part of that whole science, uh, sand mining industry, because, you know, basically under the topsoil are like sand dunes. And so it was always kind of a hardship farm, just because of the real topographical hills that existed. The other thing that's interesting is that there were five children in the family, and my dad was the only one to continue farming. And after World War II, he built a larger barn because he wanted to go more heavily into dairy, and he also purchased an additional, like, 300 acres along, um, a, 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 maybe about a quarter, half a mile away, along the uh, Musier Creek, and that land was a lot more level and a lot more fertile, and so that actually was the mainstay of this farm, but all the buildings were located on the original 80-acre 80, uh, 80 homestead, but the... The barn foundation is uh, built out of glacial rubble because there's a glacier that ended right in this area along the Blue Hills. And so the barn has often been photographed because it just has beautiful stonework. And it was built in 1946 by a former GI who built bunkers in Europe. And he came back and traveled around northern Wisconsin and built these round barns. But the round barns were popular up in northern Wisconsin because they have no inside supporting timbers. They're all built like a Gothic cathedral with uh, interior buttresses. And that's why the foundations were so thick. Like the foundation for this barn is like 18 inches thick. Up here, because the feeding season is so long, often you get your, your first frost right around Labor Day. And there's often like frost in the ground until like May. Uh, you know they had, and at that time it was all loose hay. There was no baling, so the loft of this barn is over forty feet tall. So it's a really high barn.
1: That's fantastic! Just the history that in, in not just the land, but those buildings. So did your dad dairy farm?
0: Yes, yeah. My dad, until he passed away, maybe I think in two thousand and three, was an active farmer, and he farmed into his seventies, and then he switched over to raising replacement stock and then I think uh, quit farming probably maybe only about, oh, eight or nine years before he passed away. So he was, you know, typical hardworking guy, you know, and when we, and, you know, uh, to, his, to his big regret, he had four daughters as opposed to four sons. And so we all, and again, this is like a typical story. We all started driving tractor at the age of eight and, you know, did field work and did stacked uh, oats and, did corn and all those kinds of things.
1: My dad only had girls and my gosh, I feel like we, he worked us harder than if he had boys.
0: (laughs) He sure did. Yeah. I mean, my dad's thought was that childhood ended by, When you were eight, your childhood was over and you started to work. But again, these were people who went through the Depression. And, you know, they often did. I know my dad did, had to leave school in third grade and did farm work, you know, worked out just to bring in cash money for other farmers. So, and I think that was a pretty typical story back then.
1: Dolores, did did you or your sisters take up farming?
0: No, we don't. But what I'm doing is um, the original 80-acre homestead Probably should have never been a farm because it's very, very hilly. And my dad, towards the end of his life, had it in the CRP program. And it has a natural wetland system with uh, streams, and there's about five or six quite large ponds. Some of them are almost two acres. And so what I've been doing is kind of restoring it now to more of a wetland conservation habitat.
1: Why decide to do that? because it's
0: just beautiful. It's a beautiful acreage. You know, the white pines are coming back into the fields. And uh, unfortunately, about five years ago, when that tornado went along Highway 8, I lost probably over 100 trees and it damaged um, some of the buildings. So it took me about a year to, you know, to repair the buildings. But I think... um, as I said, this probably, this acreage, the original 80 acres, probably should have never been farmed. It's just too hilly. It's too sandy. And, but it's a natural wetland system. And in one of the larger ponds, which is more of a marsh, I have trumpeters and I have wood ducks and I've, you know, tried to, and my dad was very active in conversation and worked with the DNR and they, Went in and planted uh, grain fields with millet and grains for, um, you know, waterfall and and ground birds, um, you know, um, like partridge and grouse, grouse to eat. So it's and and some of that population has stayed and repopulated. So I have my own little uh, conser- conservation. <laughs> One of the 40 acres that was more of a hardwood stand, I have that in the Managed Forest Program, and I'm uh, trying to restore the hardwood forest, the oak and maple cover that was also uh, severely damaged in that one. Tor- uh, there was a, a really bad windstorm in, two, I think, around 2000, and it destroyed, you know, again, hundreds of trees on that area. And so I'm working with a forester to bring back the um, the oak and the maples, the sugar maples.
1: Can you tell me, I guess, what do you foresee happening with the land? Is, is there a fourth generation or, you know, where is this land going to go when, you know, the third generation now has, has gone?
0: You know, I think that's kind of an open discussion in our family. Among my sisters and the siblings, and I think if no one in the immediate family wants to continue this pathway, again, I don't know if I'll put it into conservancy, or you know, eventually when I get in, you know, when I get older, have to sell it to a person who has very like-minded goals and kind of vision for what this property could be.
1: And what does that mean to you to have, to have had this farm in the family uh, for over a hundred years? It, it, to me,
0: it's just a great Source of pride. Many of the people In this area, you know, lived really Challenging, difficult lives And, you know, made something Out of, you know, very difficult Circumstances, raised families On very difficult land It's not the kind of rolling flat, you know It's not that flat level, very rich Farmland that you typically think of And I think it's just a story of Perseverance. It's also kind of this Community is a story of Friendship and immigration and partnership. So I love this community also because of its deep roots, kind of interconnectedness that everyone has. We're all related to each other and many of our, our familial bonds go back to Poland.
1: That's Dolores Fortuna of Russ County. Looking at the immediate future, she's got some plans coming up, renovating her barns to open her ceramic pottery studio. So she's excited to open that up to the public soon. We'll be sharing these centennial and sesquicentennial farm stories on midwestfarmreport.com throughout the year. These stories are courtesy of Compier Financial. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.